0: Guys, do you know that we've just celebrated Purim? And if you understand what that is all about, it was the time of Esther's decree. And I've been partnering with some guys on the Global Watch over this last week. I've got water, thanks bud, sorted. And um, man, we've had some incredible times. We had a time of worship here on Thursday evening with just a very few of us, linking with the, the guys all around the world worshiping over this time, decreeing God's order, decreeing what the Lord is saying, that you understand the story of Esther, that everything was going against the Jewish people. Everything was, they were about to be wiped out. And if you understood that king's kingdom at that time, it extended from the sides of just uh, east of Europe, right across to India. It was massive. And a decree went out to basically slay all the Jewish people. And Esther's kind of, Favor she gained with the king. Um, king, it was uh, wasn't Mordecai. Mordecai was the guy with. I don't remember all the names. Haman, Haman was the troublemaker, huh? Hey? Yeah. Haman, yeah. Haman. Yeah. No who? Xerxes something like that. That's right, exactly. And she gained favor. He he held out his scepter to her, and she gained favor with the king. And then, and everything that seemed like it was going against the people of God in an instant turned. And we've been praying this last week about this reversal to kind of take place. This is why we're taking this so seriously leading up to Passover. Because God's talking to us. He's preparing us. And I don't don't want to joke on this kind of stuff, but I said this at the end of last year. That Grand Prix, the way it finished in Abu Dhabi, okay... And if you don't know how what happened, you might have seen what happened. It looked like Lewis Hamilton was going to win the race. He was going to win his eighth championship. It was all going the one way, all going one way. And in an instant, everything changed. And the guy that we all, well, I wanted to win, looked like he wasn't going to win. And in an instant, Tobo, you're smirking there, but. Okay, you're smirking. Okay, Mercedes are not going to come anywhere this year, but. They're already already midway down the line, okay? I'm just saying. First Grand Prix this afternoon, guys. Don't phone me at 4 or 5 o'clock. I'm busy this afternoon. Okay. all right. But in an instant where it didn't look like it was going to happen, all of a sudden it changed. And Verstappen won the Grand Prix. And yes, there was chaos. Man, they were going legal routes. They were fighting all this stuff. Now it's come down to human error. They made it, whatever. But things changed in an instant. And I was like, this is what it's going to look like when God moves. This is what it's going to look like. It's going to look like, and it does look like everything's not going our way right now. The way things are playing out in the world, this constant, like, really, God? Where are you? Are you going to move? Are you going to change? What what things going to look like? And in a moment, God moved. And it doesn't happen in a day. It plays out, and the shift starts taking place, where the favor on God's people starts giving them authority and power. They start saying an order, and righteousness and justice start arising. That's the season we're in. And that's what we're leading up to now with Passover, what God has been speaking to us about. And that, and uh, it's very, very exciting time. So keep your hearts pure. Before the Lord. And uh, I also ask you to pray with me. Stand with me in prayer this week. Because with the company of prophets that I've been a part of for a couple of years now, we were invited at the end of last year to go to Zimbabwe. To go and as, as a team to going kind to of be there at a leaders conference. And leaders all across Zimbabwe are coming together. And that, so we kind of, yes, felt right. It's the right thing to go. And in uh, kind of February time, no, probably January time, looking at tickets and looking at all the realities to get to Zimbabwe all the covid restrictions and all this nonsense comes about so what they had was a 14-day quarantine that if you arrive there you need to sit under a bench for 14 days and then wait before you can go and do anything but a travel agent friend of ours went you know what they're not actually adhering to any of that stuff just book your tickets and go it'll be okay but then what happened i booked the ticket and a week and a half later they changed their mandate to say that only vaccinated people, only what water can now come into the country. So, I want to give this opportunity to tell you that one, one of the reasons I chose not to be vaccinated. Okay, one of the reasons, there are others. One of the reasons is I want to feel like what it feels like to live outside of the system. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, already now, I'm on the wrong side of the system. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not a criminal. I have no record against me i might not look it, but i 'm fairly healthy. I might miss a few teeth or whatever, okay but i 'm not on the wrong side of the law, but i 'm not allowed freedom to travel okay so what that smells like is something 's wrong okay so that 's part of my reasoning here is that now i 'm outside the system, and i don 't have free reins and free kind of to do stuff with where i 'm not. On the wrong side of the law or wrong side of anything, so I'm going to go in faith. My tickets are booked. I'm not going to get a refund, which is the painful part about it, because I'm like, well, you change your mandate or they change the mandate after I book the ticket. Okay, the 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 fine print that's normally about that long that you all just say agree and accept, but you don't actually read it. It says in there something about you won't get your money back even if the country changes its laws. Okay, it's all they always cover themselves. That's how the things roll here. So I'm going to go in faith. I might be here next Sunday because I didn't get into Zimbabwe. But I might not be here next Sunday. Then you know I'm in Zimbabwe. Okay? So I, 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 just, I just believe we need to step out in faith and to do stuff. I don't know what's going to happen at the little counter where we book in and you ask for my passport and all that kind of hood. We'll just see what happens. Okay? Either way, I've got a story to tell. Okay? About how God works and how things play out. And I'm not, I'm not hassled if it doesn't work out. It's just going to prove my point yeah. that there's something wrong, okay, if the system isn't allowing freedom and mobility around the nations of the world. Okay, if I'm, well, either way, if I'm here or not here, we've got Martijn and Roxy are going to be with us, and Martijn's going to come preach to us Hello. next week, yeah. which is very cool it's going to kind of have him back. Oh, it's a clapping and lacquer, I tell you. And it's been an awesome journey. I've, I see Martijn nearly every Thursday morning at 8 o'clock. We gather with a few leaders and pastors, and uh, I said, bro, it's time, you've got to come back to the Bay, but they are now leading the church connections in in Fishhook, and doing so well, it's awesome, so he's very happy about coming back, and being a part of things here, okay, so pray with me this week, I fly on, well, Thursday morning, early, I've got to get there, I might be home at (laughs) half us 10, babe, or I might see you on Monday morning, so we'll just see how it goes, because it's Aidan's birthday on Monday too, so I'm flying back Sunday evening, early Monday morning, i catch a flight back. To Cape Town. So we'll see our rolls. Okay. We are living in a very exciting time. Amen. Okay. And um, this, this word has captured us about, you've got 40 days to get your house in order. And it's not a harsh, I know sometimes it can come across, like last week, there were very few of us with the joy of these 30,000 cyclists trickling down Main Road. We have another, like I mentioned last week, we have another conundrum we've got to face. Easter Sunday. They have changed the Two Oceans Marathon... The ultra marathon to be on the Sunday morning of Easter. So, the, the churches in Fishhook and a few of us in Musenberg, we're all submitting letters and saying, you're, you're messing with the wrong people. Don't, don't do that. I mean, Martain was like, I think we should just all stand on the road and just refuse to let them run past. So, I'm like, I like, I like that idea. I think, I think we could do that. We'll just get some big oaks, Corbus, and Neil, and the Kun oaks, and we'll put them in the front, and we'll hide behind and check, no? Yeah, exactly. Get a few trucks and pull them out and close the roads off. Eh? and that. But um, what was I saying? This word of leading up to the 40 days and the, the, the cyclists. So I know, I know sometimes, like last week, it kind of come across quite harsh. See my passion, okay, rather, of wanting to do the things that God is asking us to do. And not just, well, it's my world, my life and stuff obedience, listen and obey. Listen and obey. That's all the people of Israel couldn't get right. Just listen to what God says and obey in what He says. Even if it doesn't make sense, just do it. And when God speaks to us and He says, you've got 40 days to get your house in order, you get your house in order. And last week I explained a little bit, asked that, well, what is your house? What is your house? What does it mean? Get it in order. And and it's on our website, on the podcast. You can lead up to that. And listen to that stuff, but essentially, the, the word "household" and "house," when it often s- says in the Word of God, it says there that uh, when Peter and Cornelius spread, and, and Cornelius's whole household was saved. When we speak about your house, it's it's your home dwelling, and all those that are connected and surrounded with you, that you are in right relationship with them. That there's no hindrance of unforgiveness. There's no things that you're setting your house in order. Not that some might not be living and walking for God. That's okay. But that you know, as even your authority in the house, or whatever you are setting that order, you're not abdicating the spiritual responsibility on what God is asking of us in this day, in this hour. And the things we must be aware of, and it's just a list that I read through last week, just to make us aware of, is that you have to close doors. If you've got doors open in the spiritual realm, which give the enemy legal access To your world and to your house. Okay, so things like unforgiveness. You can't hold on to that. Unforgiveness is the root of so much stuff that will hinder you in the things of God. Okay, bitterness and jealousy and rage and anger all come from that place of unforgiveness. Okay, sin and lingering guilt that hovers in our lives. Not that you need to be sinless. Okay, we all stumble and fall, but you know the approach. You constantly come before the Lord. You don't just let it linger and swallow in your guilt and just go, oh, well, this is my lot. No, your lot is freedom. Your lot is that you live whole before the Lord and the Almighty God. He's paid the price for you not to wallow in that. So get up front. Stand before Him. Come with a heart of sorrow and repent and, and confess your sins, and He will set you free. Even if you have to do that every single day or three times a day, do it. Don't negate that. Don't just, I'll oh, put it off, I'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow becomes the next day and the next day and the next week. And before you know it, you're drifting and wallowing in sin. And the thought of coming to church is the, most, the last thing on your mind. It's just a subtle little process. okay? Sinful habits that you're hiding and thinking that you're getting away with. okay? That no one can see. God sees. He sees everything. okay? I heard a line someone said this week on one of the calls. God's judgment is actually His mercy to us. So when He judges and raises the standard, it's actually His mercy that we respond to His mercy to us. Okay, Remember I was saying as well that the gifts are without repentance. So people can prophesy, people can do all sorts of stuff, and it looks all amazing. You think, well, there's nothing wrong in their life. The gifts are without repentance. God still uses people in the midst of things hidden in the back cupboard. How that operates? We would be like biblical jurisprudence. No, you don't do anything. Get off God's. He allows that. Okay? But don't tolerate that. Don't carry on like, well, if I'm getting away with it, it's fine. No, that's not the approach you ever want. That's a childish approach. A kid gets away with something over and over and over and again, and thinks no one notices until the parents draw the line and he's banned from Xbox for about three weeks. That'll teach him. Okay? Then he's going to learn a lesson. Okay? All right? So just, yeah, they're like those doors the doors of witchcraft, the doors of the occult, ancestral worship. Okay? Don't play with the stuff. Okay? There's sexual sin, conducts or bad habits, things that confess come before the Lord. Bring it before Him. Because He's asking us to present ourselves. Kathleen, you have a brilliant line. It was last week. Last week. It said, this line, the Lord's favor on your life, okay? It's fine. The Lord's favor on your life does not mean it's an acceptance of the sin that's in your life. That's, that's key. Because we often, we're often always negotiating. But it's fine. I'm, I, I mean, it's okay. I can dab a little bit here. But God's still using me. It's hypocritical. It's double-minded. And James speaks about if you're double-minded and, unst- and, and unstable in all your ways. might not look like it, but you are. Okay. So what's God saying to us? Prepare. 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 Get ready. Prepare yourself for Passover this year. And I've been pondering on this and realizing, like, the whole, the whole point of Passover was the, the, that the angel of death passed over the houses that were covered with the blood on their lintels, by the blood of the lamb. You see? And, and the whole point of that, the season that we're walking into now, is a season of redemption. What is the word that you use, Kirsten? The season of resurrection. You see? And, and the, this is the third year. This is the, this is the, this is the, the year of arising. That confirms another prophecy that a friend of mine prophesied. That he sees the season of COVID is like the three days of of Jesus in the tomb, but the third of resurrection. Okay? That's what we're in now. That's where we're walking. Okay? And the blood covered over. It was a redeeming. So as we lead up to this place of getting to redemption and knowing and understanding, we celebrate that weekend together and just honor what Jesus has done for us. The journey doesn't stop there. Then there's the lead up to Pentecost. And this is the one we mustn't forget either. Because that 40 days that Jesus appeared to them, and was with them for 40 days, and He came and He had time with them, He was taken up and He said, just wait. Wait, I'm going to send someone who's going to empower you to be able to do the work that I've called you to do. And I believe this lead up of this Passover is a redeeming, redemption time. What God is saying to us, prepare, prepare. Because He's only going to use the people that are pure. He's only going to work through those whose hearts are, are, are humbled before him, not with arrogance and what we're going to get out of this, but a humility. And as he leads up to Pentecost, we must believe that this season God is going to pour out upon us. Okay, And we always kind of, what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to look like, but we be expectant okay. because it's the work that takes inside of us. It's not always an external, oh, wow, look, look what God did. No. Are you seeing what God's doing inside of you? Yeah, come on. That's where the change takes place. That's where the preparing happens. And when a people are prepared and holy before Almighty God, He can use them and work through them in power. And it's not tainted by selfish ambition, not tainted by all the things of this world and our own selfish desires to kind of be something or somebody on this earth, but that He is the one that's exalted and lifted high. I want to read a verse um, from Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Just, I've got a few different verses I want to read through here. So I just need to get there with all the different <coughs> verses I've been looking at. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. And it says this. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. This is our Jesus now that we speak about. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. You must, you must understand what that line means. That's the point why Jesus came. He's not this aloof God who doesn't understand what we're going through. He knows what opposition's about. He knows what temptation's about. He knows when people turn from Him. He knows when people are offended. He understands. That's why He can sympathize with your weakness. You're not alone. But the one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet He was without sin. There's the power that we have now because of what He's done for us. Let us then with confidence... Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We are in the time of need. And our king, our great high priest, who fulfilled the whole process of every high priest, there's now one great high priest, Jesus, who sits reigning and ruling on high and we can boldly approach, approach his throne of grace with confidence knowing what he's done for us. You are not excluded. You are not excluded because of your life. If you think you are excluded, you don't believe the power of the blood of Jesus. No. Set your life right, set things in order in your home, and watch God work and move on our behalf as we do this. Now, if we're honest, okay, we're all under pressure. Okay, the state we're in and the questions. I was at 80's concert last night, amazing time. And the, 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 the kind of retort and a lot of the conversation of how the evening went, and it was a real praise to God. The whole evening was in glory to Him. But it was like people, a few people had got up and spoke and said, sure, we're under pressure. Look at these last two years of what happened. I know I've been saying that for ages here, but what's happened is the question that many people have asked is, God, are you, are you actually there? Are you actually there? Because what I'm facing and what I'm walking through right now Man, you seem far away and you seem distant. And when you try and articulate all that you're walking through and you say it, it seems a bit frivolous. You're like, why does it feel so here? It doesn't sound that bad when I'm trying to say it and what we're walking through, which perpetuates the understanding of like it's spiritual. There's a spiritual intensity right now. It's God's asking us to stand and to hold firm. But it just seems like the pressure that we're under all the things that are pressing on, the questions that we ask, and Jeremiah 9:23 just struck out to me this last week, and I was reading it. Um, so I just have to jump around. Jeremiah 9:23. And it says, "Thus says the Lord: Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches." But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. That verse just got me. I'm like, because all we want to do with our lives is please God, right? These are the things that the Lord delights in. Okay, Those who practice steadfast love, those who walk in righteousness, those who do justice to one another, it delights the Lord. If there's anything, no matter how much pressure we're under, no matter how much stuff He's pressing on us, when we've got the favor and the voice of the King upon us, it's enough. Even though it doesn't feel like it, look like it, or sound like it, or taste like it. Okay, That we know He is delighted... In us and how we operate on living our lives on earth. Okay, the joy with that verse is that our confidence is hidden in Him, not in as He says there, earthly wisdom, not in earthly might. There's nations now trying to wield their might, show how strong they are, or in earthly riches. We don't we don't have to lean against that stuff. We practice steadfast love, righteousness, and justice. He delights in those things, and no matter what. Pressure we're under. The temptation to project these and to live and to dis- and um, draw upon these earthly things is there, because we want to feel some kind of sense of we're in control or we're holding things on you. But what's the verse that this community was built upon? Not by might. Zechariah four seventeen. Right three, three seventeen. Four three seventeen. Okay. Not by might. Not by power. But by the Spirit. Okay, by the Spirit of God, He's leading us. He's showing us. He's guiding us. And Paul makes this, and other guys make this very clear. Okay, when we we look to the Lord and we trust Him to lead us and guide us in what He delights in, that's why Psalm thirty-four. I read to you in Psalm thirty-four this morning when we started. Okay, and I maybe want to use that song now, but it speaks about. Let me just read it in the ESV as well. Psalm thirty-four. And he starts with, I bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul, in this boasting, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Paul also speaks about this boasting. If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. Don't boast in your wisdom, earthly wisdom. Don't boast in your earthly might. Don't boast in your earthly riches. Watch the news. You'll see people boast about that stuff all the time. Yeah. If you want to boast, listen to what Paul says. He says in 1 Corinthians 2.5, he says... Um, sorry, I'm going to have to go there. Sorry. 1 Corinthians 2.5. Uh, he says this. It um, doesn't say the word boast, but it says, So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power... Of God. Okay? We're not resting on wisdom of men right now. We're trusting God. 2 Corinthians 10.17. He says, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For if it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. I'd rather have the Lord's commendation and approval over my heart than the voice of men. The voices of men are fleeting, They will be there for a moment. They'll praise you. They'll do all that kind of thing. Yes, encouragement's good. Like my dad always says, I can live on a good encouragement for two weeks. Thank you very much. Just say good stuff. It makes me feel good. But that's fleeting. If you have the commendation of the Lord upon your life, it's everlasting. That's what Paul's saying. You're going to boast. Boast in the Lord. Don't boast in your wisdom, your might, and your riches. That kind of thing won't last. And we boast, we boast in the Lord. And the Lord delights in this. This morning, just sitting here, it reminded me of a guy, George Muller. He was a German, actually a a Prussian, that kind of led uh, and did orphanages in the UK. And lived to like a 92-year-old. He outlived all his children, outlived all his wives that he had. But he, he learned, the one story I always remember from him is he never asked anybody for money. He never solicited anything. Of all he was doing there, when people were wealthy and they came and visited him, When they left, he prayed. They said, God, you speak to them. And often, the person would then send, I mean, those years, 18, whatever, send like 30 pounds. It was like about 50 grand to us today, I suppose. He just prayed. You see how often we market ourselves to try and get people's attention so that we can get something out of it. It's not the might of the world. It's not the riches of the world. It's it's what the Lord will lead us to in trusting Him. Okay? And that's a test, eh? That's a test, folks, and how we do it and how we play that up. Because his boast was in the Lord. Okay. Now, I'm not saying, you see, this is relating to your spiritual walk and belief and what the God is doing with the church. If you are sitting at work, okay, and you're saying, well, I must just pray and, and, and God must do this stuff, and you don't do anything about it, your business will fail. You've got to actually set out believing for blessing and favor in God what's doing. And in that kind of stuff, you trust Him to lead and guide. And then what happens is, when He does provide and He does pour a favor upon you, you're not boasting on what I've done, you're boasting on what God has done. It's very different. That approach is very important to understand. And when we look at the church and we look at what we've walked through in the last season, you know, I know churches in the past have asked their members to draw upon their bonds, to draw money to, so the church can still function. You see, that's desperate. We, we will never ever do something like that. We have to trust God that He will bless you. And the blessing will flow from that place. There's a a passing down, a stewardship of the stuff, what God is doing. We don't get desperate and out of fear and start dictating and telling how things need to work out. Many people do things and all the amazing stuff and they do all the kind of stuff. And they've done it all. And then they say, and they just tag God on there and say, sure, look what the Lord did. But it was all His own might. That also doesn't work. The Lord sees right through that. So when we're operating as a church, believing and trusting God, When the outpouring and the blessing flows, we'll all be able to say, look what God did. Because it's from Him. How we trust and how we boast and how we look to Him in trusting. And this is what He delights in when we trust Him and just hold on to Him in everything that we do. Now something I have been saying for the last two years and we've raised it over the last few weeks. Folks, the stakes are high. Okay, the stakes are high. And I asked Kathleen that question the other day. I was like, let's define that a little bit. What does that mean? The stakes are high. The stakes are high. The reality is is God's put us in a corner. And And He's teaching us. He's not forcing us. He's teaching us to trust Him with everything. Not to look to might. Not to look to earthly wisdom. Not to look to earthly riches. He's teaching us to fully trust Him. Okay, now we had a fantastic staff meeting on Tuesday morning talking about this conversation. What does it mean when we say the stakes are high? The stakes are high. Okay, what is it? What is what is what are we saying by that? Okay, if you if you've ever gambled, okay, and, I, and I'm not promoting gambling here, okay, at all. I remember two years ago, this one guy in our home, I'm talking 25 years ago now, and he was speaking about the demon of gambling, the demon, and he was like obsessed about the devil from double. I was like, okay, all right. maybe you got a problem, I don't, okay, I've never done it, never, but my money is on Verstappen, just to put it that way, okay. (laughs) So basically, if you gamble, okay, the the outcome, whatever's in your hand, okay, the hand that you've got, is, the outcome is really out of your hands, because it's how the chips fall, it's how the cards dealt, you know, yes, there can be like, you know a calculated risk in gambling and how you can make sure and you watch those movies and they go oh, cause they know exactly what card's going to come next and you know, water 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 I know with gambling more people lose than win that's that is and it's actually geared to be like that okay the odd winner is the is the carrot that's dangled for everyone I go, oh, that could be me that could be me it could, it, you lose more than you win i promise you okay but when it comes to gambling there's a high risk that you're going to lose stuff okay so if you are very good with a poker face and you can have a straight face and you're holding a good hand of cards, okay, what do you do? Okay, well if you're gambling and you've got a good hand, and I don't even know what a good hand is, if it's triple sevens or the black jack, or that sounds like it could be good, who knows what it is. Just checking if anyone does, no? no. Okay. I was, wa- I was waiting for that kind come of, ah, it's like, okay. okay, so you know how it works. Okay, that's fine, just watching you. Never mind, no, I'm joking. Okay, if you've got a good hand, what are you going to do? You're going to put it all in. You're going to slide all your chips on. You say, there's, well, there's, there's, you know what? I'll never, I can't lose this. You slide all your chips onto the table, knowing that you've got a very good chance. There's still the probability that you could still lose, though. Okay? The stakes are high. So when it does come, okay, so I've so when you gamble, you're placing all your hope. All your hope is in this hand, and you slid in everything. Going when you lose, what are you left with? Absolute well, nothing and hopelessness, empty. Everything was on this. I've lost it all. Okay, or in the movies, often he wins it all, and they go shoot him, and the guy takes everything anyway. (laughs) You're like, You never win anyway, you know. Okay, so what happens in this process? I know gambling is an interesting example, but it's about putting everything in. Okay, so what we often do is if we're not prepared to take the risk, okay, we, off, we make other plans. Yeah. We just have another option here, just in case, because it's too scary to maybe put off. So we put a little bit here, keep it there, just in case. We've got a plan B, okay, and just in, in maybe if God doesn't come through for us, we'll try this. Yeah. Okay, well, you said, but maybe we just do that anyway, okay, just because you never know. I mean, it might not all pan out, so we'll just kind of put in our own hands. We all know that, eh? Okay? So what we also do is, you know, well, you know, these things have been said and happened, but then we fall upon maybe some traditional practices and we slaughter a cow just because that will also please God and maybe we'll try that as well. And we dabble with other things. And maybe if I just read the horoscopes, that'll just give me some kind of, kind of confidence about what God's saying to me just to confirm through that. Or we go and visit a fortune teller. Or we go and visit a uh, witch uh, which doctor. And we dabble. We dabble. We play with a little bit. But, but, but our whole hand, isn't it in? But we want to just try something else. Just in case God doesn't come through for us. And He doesn't prove to be who He is for us. He's speaking to us now in this time saying, close those doors. Close those doors. That's what He's speaking to us. See, the time of trusting, and what He's teaching us of time of trusting, waiting, living by faith. And doing this, When we, the situations where things are challenging, the Bible is full of examples. You've got David who said these things. You've got Job who said these things. You've got Jeremiah who said these things. When they looked upon the wicked and said to God, why are they prospering? Why why do they kind of look like their lives all going together? God, where are you? Where are you in the midst of all of this? In Jeremiah, this is Jeremiah's complaint. In Jeremiah 12 verse 1, it says, righteous, he's talking to God. You know, righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you. Yet, I would plead my case before you. Many of us have pled our case before God in the last two years. Saying, God, hear me. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them, and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their heart. But you, O Lord, you know me. You see me. And you test my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. There's always that, like, come on, man. saw them out, Lord. How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away because they've said, He will not see our latter end. These cries of complaints, David, it's full of them in the Psalms. God, really? That's where we're at. But folks the stakes are high. Stakes are high. Because what we have done, okay, and what happens in this case when we have we've said we put everything in and there's a temptation to, well maybe just let me try that as well. Let me see, let me maybe let, let me just put it out to the church and say, Hey guys, you know, if we draw on our bonds and just kind of draw money in and you know, kind of help us financially, just let's try something else. Yeah. You you are bordering on, on the line of disobedience. Because you're taking your own path. You're choosing a way apart from the ways of what the Lord is speaking to us very clearly about. Okay? The same... um, And we bypass, actually, what happens exactly. You bypass the blessings of God because you choose your own way. That's why it says in Matthew that the road is narrow. This road is narrow, folks. And few will walk it. But wide is the path for everyone just to choose... This road is very narrow. We are trusting and believing what God is saying to us. The same, see temptations will come. Jesus was tempted. Okay, what was he tempted with? Power, fame, glory, riches. You could have it all. But you must worship me. I want to say to you as well, don't be fooled by all these celebrities who are so vocal on every channel of social media and looks like their lives are amazing. Their wealth and riches has come from them selling their soul. You have to believe that. It doesn't all come from Oh, wow, look how hard I worked. Look at my amazing acting skills. Look at the incredible things I send to the moon all the time. Look at my online business. Yes, there's a part of skill there, but a lot of that wealth, sick amounts of wealth, comes from them selling their souls. Do you want to be there? (laughs) Want to be in that position? Because it never ends well. I promise you. Even at death, it will not end well. So there's no quick fixes here to what God is wanting us. God has put us in a corner. And he's asking of us, trust me and trust me alone. Might not look like it, might not feel like it, but all we do, the stakes are high, folks. We've got no other options. And that's the best place to be because here's the reality: is that when we put all our, all our trust in Jesus, we place our whole lives, everything on him, and we don't have alternatives, it's his hand that gets played. And when we look at his hand, you will see the scars. You will see the wounds that were paid. A price was paid so that whatever you put in, the sacrifice he paid, he will come through. He paid a price for everything for us. He's not going to drop us now. He's not going to just leave us and leave us out hanging. We've got to trust in the times and the seasons and the hours that God operates by. And he's teaching us. He's saying prepare, prepare, prepare. So what do we say to God? We're all in. We're all in. All of my chips. I've slid across the table. And He plays His hand. Not my hand. His hand. Which will never fail us. Okay? And we've seen His hand. The price that it paid for us. Because He's teaching us to trust in Him and Him alone. No one else. Tracy, I want to play that song. I want to sing that song as as we finish here this morning. It's a song about Psalm 34. About glorify the Lord, magnify the Lord. At all times, I will extol Him. And we have to to listen to what God's saying to us. If there are doors open in your lives, you must respond. You must respond. Just, Just the two of you can sing it. We'll just keep it simple. Okay. You need a mail. Okay. Let's just pray. And because the stakes are high, folks, and we've got no other options. We've put it all in to trust our almighty God that He will come through for His people in this day and this hour.